Maken Carlson's Diary Chapter 6 One Stormy Night December 10, 1565 We had an unlooked-for pleasure last evening, Dr. Louis Jean, who, like many other French Protestants, sought refuge in Holland from a terrible persecution then going on under the Duke of Alva, joined our party. My little friend Paul Brock and his father were also present. It was a very happy evening, for the doctor told us such an interesting story of the flight for life and liberty of an English lady and gentleman that I will try to write it down, for if the Duke, who is said to be a stern and hard-hearted man, brings his army to Holland, as many think he will, and we too are obliged to leave home and friends, it will encourage us to be reminded of how really God cares for and helps those who trust in him. One wild, stormy night, early in the year 1555, a man and woman carrying a young child might have been seen walking with slow and weary steps along the road leading to Vasel, a German town on the banks of the Rhine. The travelers were drenched with rain and almost covered with mud, for they had already walked upwards of five miles, and at every few steps the lady seemed ready to faint from fatigue for in spite of her draggled and forlorn condition she was one who, until a few weeks before the story begins, would never have thought of going, except in a carriage, outside her own grounds. Still they kept bravely on, feeling sure of finding food and shelter as soon as they reached the town. But though they presented themselves at the doors of more than one inn, the landlords, fearing that they might get into trouble by receiving guests who, it was easy to see, were gentlefolk, and were traveling without luggage, servants, or carriage, refused to take them in, while to make matters still worse, they could not speak a word of German, and could not find anyone who understood either English, French, Italian, or Latin, in any of which languages Richard Bertie for that was the name of. The gentleman was able to converse. The rain began to fall in torrents, and the wind howled in wild and angry gusts. He must find shelter for his wife and child. Seeing a large stone porch at the entrance to one of the churches, he left them there, while he went to try to buy a little food. But the shops were closed, and though there were lights in many of the houses, no one seemed willing to open their door to a stranger whose language they did not understand. He was on the point of giving up in despair, when two schoolboys passed, one reciting a portion of Latin grammar, perhaps his morals lesson, to his companion. Mr. Bertie spoke to them in that language, and to his great delight found that he was understood. There were, he knew, several earnest Christians, who had fled from other countries to escape persecution, living in or near Vasel. The boys were quite willing, for a small reward, to guide him to the house of one of these, and returning as quickly as possible to the church porch where he had left his wife and child, they set out again, this time in better spirits. The house they were most anxious to find was that of the pastor of the Reformed Church, whose name was Perusel, but the boys, not knowing where he lived, offered to take them to a house where he was, they said, well known. It was by no chance, but the guiding hand of God, that Perusel was, on that very night, a visitor in the house to which they were taken, and though at first he did not know who the wet and weary wanderers were, his surprise was very great when he recognized in the lady one whom, in the days when he lived in England, he had known as Lady Catherine Willoughby, Duchess of Suffolk, the dear friend of Queen Catherine Parr, and the martyred Bishop Latimer. We may form some idea of how welcome rest, warmth and food were to the tired travelers. Better still it must have seemed to them to be with friends who understood that it was for the name and sake of the Savior they loved that they were on that stormy night homeless wanderers. They had fled from England for the truth's sake and also to escape from the revenge of Bishop Gardiner, a man who, though he stood high in favor of Queen Mary, never forgave a real or fancied injury, and whom the Duchess had, when quite a girl, offended by some thoughtless speech, and so made him her bitter enemy. 
Her mother had been one of the Spanish ladies who came to England with Catherine of Aragon, the first wife of Henry VIII. This lady was greatly attached to the unfortunate queen and named her little daughter after her royal mistress. Her two brothers died early, so that Catherine became, when little more than a child, a wealthy heiress. The death of her brothers was quickly followed by that of her father, and she became the ward of the king, who appointed the Duke of Suffolk as her guardian, on the understanding that she was to be married to his son. Catherine was then ten years of age, and the next five years of her life were happy ones, for she found a true friend in his gentle wife, the Princess Mary, sister to Henry VIII. Who had her educated with her own daughters, the ladies Frances and Eleanor Brandon, Lady Frances was in after years the mother of Lady Jane Grey, but this amiable lady died in 1533, and the young Duke, who was to have been Catherine's husband, died the next year. The Duke saw that the only way to keep Catherine's large fortune was to marry her himself, and so the girl of 15 was married to a man of 50. The Duke, however, proved a kind and indulgent husband, but lived mostly at court. For some years Catherine's cup of happiness seemed full. She had youth, wealth, rank, in those days there were only two dukes in the United Kingdom, and she was the wife of one of them, she was clever and accomplished, and her merry temper and pleasant manners made her a general favorite. Her husband loved and trusted her, and she had two sons, boys of rare promise and beauty. But God, who had thoughts of peace and blessing for Catherine, was about to lead her, in his own way, to seek and value eternal things. We do not know who is used to open her eyes, or to lead her out of the darkness of popery into the light of Bible truth, but it may have been the aged Bishop Latimer, for whom, she had almost the affection of a daughter. Suffolk died in 1545, and Catherine, a rich widow, became again the ward of the king, who, as he did not insist upon her marrying one of his favorites, but allowed her to live quietly at her own beautiful castle of Grimstorp, in Lincolnshire, we may suppose really wished to be kind to her. For the few years that followed she devoted herself to the education of her sons, while her tenants and servants found in her a kind mistress and a true friend. King Henry died in 1547, and his son, Edward VI, came to the throne. Those who had been taught by the Holy Spirit to love and value the Word of God, rejoiced on hearing that it was the wish of the young king that a copy of the Bible should be placed in every church throughout his kingdom. The Duchess was well known as one who had taken a stand for the truth she prized far above her earthly riches. She sent her elder son, who was then about thirteen years old, to court, under the care of a learned and pious man, as a companion to the king, and her younger to St. John's College, Cambridge. But soon that loving mother was called to drink of the cup of sorrow, for during an outbreak of what was then known as the sweating sickness, both her sons died within a few hours of each other. Early in the reign of Queen Mary, the Duchess gave her great offense by marrying Richard Bertie, a Christian gentleman, who for some years had been her faithful friend and adviser. Bishop Gardiner thought the opportunity of getting her into trouble much too good to be lost, and both her husband and herself were in such real danger that they were obliged to fly from England. They could not, however, escape together, and the poor lady had more than one narrow escape from the officers sent by Gardiner to take her as the Queen's prisoner to London. At last, to the great joy of both, they met, but new trials awaited them. On the way to Basel they were waylaid by robbers, who took from them nearly all they possessed. They must have been very glad to rest for a little while at Basel, where they found Christian friends and received much kindness, but it was not for long, for being warned by a friend that Gardiner had discovered the place of their retreat and issued orders for their arrest, they fled into Poland where for a time they endured great hardships, sometimes being without food or fire. 
But God, in whom they trusted, did not forsake them, and brighter days were in store for Catherine, her husband and children, for Queen Mary died in November, 1558, and in July of the following year, the exiles felt it would be safe to return to England. They were kindly received by Elizabeth, and the property of the Duchess restored to her, her son born abroad was made an English subject, so that on the death of his mother he might inherit her estates, and, better still, the son of parents who had suffered for the sake of Christ grew up a man who loved and feared God, and enjoyed the confidence of the Queen.